It's time for a lesson in civics. And who better than the president of the American Bar Association, Trish Refo, to teach us? I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. We've got a fun show for you today and a wonderful guest, too. But first, we need to thank our sponsor, Noda. Noda is powered by M&T Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IELTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnota.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. Let's say hello to ABA president Trish Rifa. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Yeah, no, it's been a long time since we've talked. You know, we used to travel a whole lot more together at the various American Bar Association events. And, you know, obviously the the world being what it is today, everybody's working remote. It's just, it's been a little while since we uh, caught up last. That is a true statement. I am still incarcerated in my house. So no travel for this ABA president. Yeah, that's that's an unusual one. I mean, it, it, that's typically one of the mainstays of being the American Bar Association president is you have a very, very aggressive travel schedule. But uh, you've been able to do, I think, most or all of it from home. Is that right? Yep. I've had a, a ridiculously aggressive Zoom schedule. I have spoken to more lawyers and non-lawyers, frankly, than probably any ABA president in history by a lot because I'm not spending my time on the road. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is amazing. The world we live in. I mean, I think we're very lucky to have Zoom. I think it made a lot of things that uh, would have been very difficult a lot easier. So, well, let's transition into our topic today. We're going to be talking about civics, and so there's this ABA 2021 Survey of Civic Literacy. This has become an annual event. It's done in conjunction with Law Day, and so I definitely want to ask you about that. But uh, you know, the American Bar Association. You know, not all of our listeners to this show are lawyers, and so they're not going to be as familiar with what the organization does. So I guess just real briefly to kind of give some context here, Trish, can you tell us what the mission of the ABA is? So the mission of the ABA is both to help lawyers be better lawyers, to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, both in our profession and in our justice system, and to stand up for the rule of law in the United States and around the world. Excellent. All right, well, let's get to the survey. Now, I understand that this particular law day has some special meaning, so definitely tell us about that. But uh, this survey, how is it put together? What do we know about the participants? How, how do all the pieces come together? So obviously, since we're lawyers, not um, pollsters, we went to an outside firm um, to conduct for us a, a statistically significant survey, right? So the results that we have are representative of the American population. We conducted it both in English and in Spanish, and it was designed to help us get some additional insights, especially in this odd year, let's leave, let's say that, into um, what America knows about civics and matters of importance and interest to lawyers and to the public. Well, and, and also tell us why uh, today, uh, coming up here, this, this particular law day is a special law day. Well, it's been a tumultuous year since last law day between the pandemic and an assault on our capital and the election turmoil and the cries for racial equity in our justice system. There has been lots going on that is all directly related both to civics 
and frankly, to the rule of law, because the rule of law is all about saying that higher principles apply no matter whether we are in times of turmoil or times of peace and calm. That's what the rule of law is all about. Let's transition into our survey here. And so, you know, we did a very similar show with your predecessor, Judy Perry Martinez. And I think so very important that Americans learn more about civics and how their country operates. As as you and I were talking about in the pregame, I've uh, officiated several family arguments kind of based on just the rule of law, how things work. And it's people have an idea of how things ought to work, but there's the reality of how they actually do work. And I think that knowledge will help people have much more, I guess, calm debates when it comes to disagreeing on policy. So let's start with um, some of the questions I noticed from last year's survey that uh, ended up in this year's survey. And I wanted to compare how the participants last year did this year. So let me open with this uh, this question, Trish. You know, This is one uh, that uh, a lot of people got wrong, I think, last year. but uh, Or actually, you know what? I think they got more right last year than this year. So it seems to be a declining knowledge base. So who is the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court? That's the question. And then how did people do from last year to this year? So uh, last year, Chief Justice Roberts was recognized by 61% as the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. And this year, uh, it dropped a little bit to 58%. Okay. And so uh, some of that, I think, uh, like last year, I think, you know, obviously, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a very popular justice at the Supreme Court. But now you've got uh, the, the entrance of Amy Coney Barrett. Was that some of it that maybe took away some of the recognition of John Roberts, do you think? Um, I don't know if it's that or if it's just that may be close to within a margin of error. Certainly some of that is margin of error and just the nature of the polling. Okay. Well, this next question is about who is next in line if the president and the vice president are no longer able to serve in their positions. And so this question was asked last year and people did better this year. And I'm going to blame it on COVID uh, being quarantined and having nothing better to watch than designated survivor with Kiefer Sutherland. So option A, uh, Trish, is Speaker of the House Option B is President Pro Tempore of the United States Senate. Option C is the United States Secretary of State. And option D is the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. So who stands in line if the president and vice president can't serve? Well, of course, the right answer is the Speaker of the House. And interestingly, the number uh, who got it right went up from last year. So last year we had 65% who got the correct answer. And this year was up to 72%. I am curious whether some of that is a function of either the election turmoil or the impeachment proceedings. I expect both of those might have informed people a little bit more uh, about who is next in line. I'm sure that's correct, but I was going to hope that it was Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> so, Could be. Well, let's, Could go, be. let's go to a First Amendment question. So this is the last of the comparative questions from last year to this year. And so here's the question. It's which one right or freedom is not part of the First Amendment of the Constitution? Is it A, freedom of speech? Is it B, freedom of the press? Is it C, right to vote? Or is it D, right of the people to assemble peaceably? This is another one that I'm feeling good about in terms of things moving in the right direction. Last year, 55% correctly identified the right to vote as something that was not in the First Amendment. And this year it went up to 63%. So that's a pretty hefty eight-point increase year over year. It's got to be true that all of the conversations and discussions both leading up to 
and uh, after our presidential election last November, have assisted people in understanding where the right to vote comes from and and how it's enforced. So that's a that's a good thing. All right, let's move on to the new questions for this year's survey. And so the first one that jumped out at me is one that I often hear around my friends. People fail to recognize this particular uh, series of amendments. So I'm going to ask the question. I was surprised that so many people got it right. So here's the question. What are the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution called? Is it A, Declaration of Independence? Is it B, the New Deal? Is it C, the Bill of Rights? Or is it D, the Ten Commandments? Yeah, that one was sort of a smile, too. But the good news is 86% of the respondents got it right and could correctly identify the Bill of Rights as collectively the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Well, you know, I'm glad that the uh, Ten Commandments outscored the New Deal, but I'm not sure what that says about my friends that uh, more people in the survey knew the Bill of Rights than my than my pals that I hang out with. So well, let's go to the next two questions. So this, these have to do with rights and responsibilities of uh, U.S. citizens versus non-citizens. And so the first one's responsibility question. And so it goes like this. What is a responsibility that only a U.S. citizen has compared to a non-citizen? Is it A, pay federal income taxes? Is it B, obey the law? Is it C, serve in the military? Or is it D, serve on a federal jury? So we did decent, I would say, on this one. 49% of the respondents were able to uh, correctly identify that only U.S. citizens have the responsibility to serve on a federal jury. But there were odd numbers in, in with respect, I think, to two of the other potential responses. 20% of our survey participants said that only U.S. citizens had to pay federal income taxes, which is, of course, completely wrong. And 21% said that only U.S. citizens have to obey the law. So this one, in terms of the wrong responses, suggests to me that we have significant work to do around educating Americans about the obligations of non-citizens who live in this country. Yeah, I was a little surprised that uh, more of the wrong answers did not uh, kind of favor serve in the military. That one kind of caught me off guard. I knew that because I have families that uh, family members that serve in the military, but I'm not sure everybody is uh, as close to that information. All right, well, let's talk about the right of a citizen versus a non-citizen. So this is what is a right that is only for U.S. citizens compared to non-citizens? And option A, equal protection of the laws. Option B, hold a federal elective office. Option C, freedom of speech, and option D, due process of the law. I'm just going to say it's a little scary that 19% of the folks said freedom of speech, but the actual correct answer is hold a federal elective office, and 55% correctly identified that. Yeah, you know, I think some of the some of the interpretation of that is that, you know, when you go to other people's country, you know, you may not be as free to speak in this country. Maybe that was sort of a uh, a correlated assumption, but agreed. You know, it's uh, a little disturbing in, in, in a country that has such uh, great free speech that not more people knew that. So, all right. Supreme Court has been in the news a lot, obviously, uh, with the transition. Um, you know, we had, the, of course, the, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And of course, we had the addition of uh, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. And then there's uh, a lot of cases. Is coming up. You know, there's been a lot of real blockbuster cases, a lot of very controversial cases coming up, and we've been covering those on this show, Trish. But there's also this study going on in court packing. So people are getting a lot of exposure to the Supreme Court. And so 
that maybe explain why so many people got this one right. And honestly, I was surprised. So here's the question, Trish. That the question is, what duties are assigned to the Supreme Court? Is it A, acts as the ultimate authority in interpreting the United States Constitution? Is it B, ensures legislation passed by Congress is adopted? Is it C, ensures collection of federal taxes? There's that taxes again. Or is it D, selects federal judges? Well, the good news is that 81% of our folks got it right and identified the Supreme Court as the one that acts as the ultimate authority in interpreting the U.S. Constitution. The sort of scary news is that 19% couldn't correctly identify that as the role of the United States Supreme Court. You know, I was surprised that more people didn't peel off for selects federal judges. I mean, it kind of makes sense that the United States Constitution, you know, is, is the superior court in the land, you know, and you've got these federal judges out there. So I thought more people would peel off there, but it was only 4%. So I'm very proud of our American populace for mostly getting that one right. So uh, let, let's skip to the last question here, uh, Trish. You know, this is about uh, the idea of self-government. It's contained in three words in our Constitution. And what are those three words? Is it A, I pledge allegiance? Is it B, we the people? Is it C, liberty, equality, fraternity? Or is it D, rule of law? Well, I love this one because 92% correctly can tell us that we the people are the first three words of the United States Constitution. So even if not everybody uh, has read the entire document, the concept that it starts with about we the people is on some level the simplest and most important articulation of democracy. And they got that right. So that's, I think, really good news. Yeah, I think that bodes well for our republic. <laughs> so, Indeed. Just one more question for you before we close it out there, Trish. You know, this has become an annual thing. And I think it's a great thing to have the civics knowledge out there. And so, you know, we're going to be going into a non-huge election year coming up uh, next year. But um, one thing I think is going to be on the radar is a lot of federalism. There's a lot of states out there flexing their muscles you know, against the federal government. And that kind of tense, as you and I remember from our constitutional law classes back in law school, you know, that tends to be sort of the contest. You know, you have eras of higher state rights and you have eras where, you know, the federal government takes a little bit more emphasis. With that in mind, do you think uh, next year's survey is going to have more questions on states' rights and federalism? Well, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't tell you for sure what um, is going to transpire between now and when we sit down to organize this survey for next year, it's possible that, that it will be the issue that you just referenced around federalism. But if there's anything we've learned, it's that it's difficult to predict the future. So um, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Trisha. It was great catching up. Great to be with you. Oh, and uh, one last thing, uh, just if you know if people they want to learn more and uh, you know read some of these surveys and see how they'll they'll do in their civics knowledge compared to some of the survey uh, respondents, where can they find those? They can find it at ambar.org/slash/civic-literacy. And I'll definitely put that in the show notes. So thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please leave us a nice review in your favorite podcasting app. It's good for the show. And one more thank you to our sponsor, Noda. You can find them at trustnoda.com forward slash legal. That's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never, never least, thank you to our team producer, Molly McDonough, and our LTN audio crew for keeping it groovy. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.